Hi, this is Savannah. And this is Brian from the Dorky Diva Show. And you're listening to Star Wars. The best place for below average Star Wars. Welcome to the Star Wars Show, the best place for below average Star Wars. We're back with another of our Knowing Me, Knowing You, aha, special episodes. The Knowing Me, Knowing You special episodes started at the beginning of the lockdown when the pandemic first took hold at the beginning of last year. We started them here at Star Wars because we worried about Star Wars news and thought the pandemic might shut down productions across the world. And although that did happen a little bit, Little did we know that Star Wars news would still be flowing. But this series has been brilliant. We've been able to speak to Star Wars fans across the world and really deep dive into loads of different aspects of Star Wars with them. So without further ado, the guest for today's Knowing Me Knowing You is Charlotte from Skytalkers. Charlotte, how are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. So happy to be here. Thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, you are the second Sky Talker we have had. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just want to say thank you very much for coming on. Obviously, like, I, I say it a couple of times, but obviously, like my opinion, Sky Talker is the podcast that you do with with Caitlin is is fantastic. Um, it's one of the best Star Wars podcasts uh, on the planet. Um, so thank you for spending some time with me today and coming on this podcast. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you saying that. Caitlin had such a great time when she came on last time, so I'm really excited to be on the show this time. Obviously, you know, the pandemic's starting to come to an end, which is a really, really good thing. Um, doesn't mean that I'm going to end this series, but, um, you know, it does mean the reason why I started this series um, is, is coming to an end. Obviously, vaccinations are rolling out, and I hope anybody listening, if you get offered one, please go and take it. Um, it really will help us get this virus under control faster and allow us to get back out there doing the things we love quicker, uh, whether it be Star Wars conventions, whether it be going to the cinema to see an awesome movie, whether it just be going out and enjoying some beers and some food with your friends. Um, obviously, Charlotte, I know you have been vaccinated, and I know that you are similar to me, where you are maybe a little bit nervous about vaccinations, to be safe yeah. to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am really squeamish when it comes to shots and anything like that, but this one was like the easiest vaccine shot I've ever gotten in my entire life. I usually faint and get sick, and it was it was... I usually have a really bad reaction at the end of it. And this time I was like, I'm great. Let's go. I didn't even feel like I needed to wait in the 30 minute observation room. Um, so it was really an easy shot. I only got one. Um, I'm in the in between. So I have to get a the second one in a couple weeks. But honestly, I am not like scared of the second shot at all as much as I was in the first one because it was such an easy process. It was like the quickest shot I've ever gotten in my entire life. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, I think mine's more of a phobia. So like, 
even as a kid, I never, I could, couldn't watch them on television. And like, so I, I sort of shy away when I see them on, on screen, on real life. Um, almost like the image of them, I'm scared of. I know they don't hurt, but it's just I don't know something about the idea of them. Um, and like when I'm, for example, when I'm having blood taken, I can do like two bials, but then I sort of like white out, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm essentially going to faint. So, but I'm because of the way you've seen you had your COVID vaccine, it has made us feel a little bit better about that. Um, oh God! Is yours just about actually getting the shot? Or are you are you are you okay watching them on television or? Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's not just me. It's, I'm getting better as an adult, but when I was younger, it was like, I, every time I would watch that show Grey's Anatomy, um, I would love it for the drama, but I would just hide under a blanket anytime anything, uh, medical ever happened, which is like 70% of the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I can't really do it on TV either. Yeah. It's like, I remember watching like a new hope when I was younger and like the, the thing I scared is the most wasn't Darth Vader, but it was the torture droid that's um, insinuated it's yes. going to stab Princess Leia with a needle. Yes. I always was like, oh my God, I don't want to think that one through. Because I feel like the movie doesn't really give you a huge opportunity to be like, what is happening to Leia? That's a weird thing. Like <laughs> the way that it zooms in on the needle, you know? And if I thought too much about it, I'd be like, nope, don't want to think about that. That's a no. <laughs> no, Definitely. So I'm glad that that's the only real needle we'll see in Star Wars. So that is that is good. Yes. Um, so have you got five questions lined up for me, Charlotte? This is how it works. I have five questions to ask you, and you have five questions to ask me. Although, as the host, I do usually sneak in a couple of extra ones. Yeah, I do. I'm excited. Awesome. Cool. So I will go first, and we'll just go backward and forwards on it. But it is knowing me, Peter, knowing you, Charlotte. Aha! So my first question for you, Charlotte, is obviously I know you're a food enthusiast and you do work within the sort of the food uh, cooking industry. Um, I know you've been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which I think it was in Disneyland, um, mm-hmm. which are some of the best items of food and drink sort of on two that you've enjoyed? Um, okay, so I love the Ronto wrap. I think the Ronto wrap is amazing. It's basically, if I don't know if you've had it before, but it's basically just um, like a grilled pita with a sausage inside. It's kind of a little bit spicy, but it's pretty, it's like a charred sausage with some slaw, um, a slice of ham. And I, I think that's basically it. It's, it's awesome. It's like the best hot dog ever. <laughs> um, and I guess another thing, I, I really like the drinks there too. Like, in Disney World, you can get the um, the green milk with tequila in it, which is really fun. And I like the green milk. I also like the blue milk, but um, I think that's great. And then they have uh, – I also really like at the, um, at the main restaurant, Docking Bay – I can't remember what the number is um, – the Docking Bay restaurant, they have this uh, – cavatelli pasta with short rib and uh cipollini onions and kale which is really good and all of the juices are really great too i actually really love the food in in bateau i've not been yet but i'm really looking forward to hopefully getting out there hopefully going to combine celebration Anaheim with a trip yes to, to disney 
I think you have to. <laughs> you have to if you if you end up going. I I think that would be awesome. Okay, is this where I ask you my question? So I've just got a little little. Um, I just want to mention something else on the back of that. So yeah, obviously, um, how does that? Obviously, like Disney's known for having great food for all those parks. How does the sort of the food in Galaxy's Edge sort of match up to? The rest of Disney is it like just as awesome? And do you think they t- managed to tie it in, like making Star Wars enough, like to be in in Galaxy's Edge? Well, I think that's a really good question because I think the food in Disney is like the best food in any theme park. Like it's way better than Universal Studios. It's way better than like Knott's Berry Farm or Six Flags or something like that. A, a major theme park in the United States. Um, and places are better like within disney world there's like better places than others like some are just like hamburgers and fries but others are really kind of creative and i mean i don't think it really is like a five-star meal anywhere but i think disney does a really good job of like exploring different flavors and it's pretty impressive like they even have a food and wine festival where they have uh different um types of food in Epcot that are represented by the different countries around Epcot. But in terms of whether or not the food in Batu is Star Warsy enough, I think it is, but I think that they could definitely do more to the weirdness. I think that, uh, but maybe people are kind of turned off by that, which I totally get. But um, I think that like some of the, even, even the titles of some of the names are like really deep dives into Star Wars canon. Like um, at at Oga's Cantina, like they even have the Tanneray wine, which is mentioned only in books, which I think is really interesting. And um, I think that they could, I think they need like another restaurant at in Batu, and then they could be even weirder. Um, but it is really good. And I'd say it's the best in Hollywood studios aside from, um, at least in Disney World, aside from like a couple of like nicer restaurants that are there. But in Disneyland, the food in Disneyland is really good too. So uh, it's just um, overall, uh, you're eating and drinking a lot when you're there, and it's all great. And <laughs> I don't know, I, I I guess I could, I would want it to have more variety, I suppose. But overall, I give it a ten out of ten. Awesome. And then a little bonus question: If you could be part of one meal that is depicted in the Star Wars, um story um which of these three would you pick would it be um anakin and padme in their pear meal would it be um luke and yoda in the mud hut meal or would it be ray's quarter portion uh sunset batu sorry sunset jakku meal so i definitely choose anakin and padme's meal with the pear and everything is that what the that's the one you chose right or so, was it the picnic? So yeah, it's the pear meal. Yeah. Yeah, the the pear meal is definitely what I would choose because I feel like all the other ones are like kind of sad. This one is at least you uh it's like a five star, five course meal. Um I think it would be a little weird to be like the third wheel there, but um I still think that that would be really nice. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of tension in that scene where it would be very awkward sitting sort of in the middle of them. Yeah. But maybe the food will be worth it. Yeah. What's your first question for myself? Okay. 
So my first question is, where were you when you heard about the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm? So I was actually um, at work. So I worked for a cinema chain in the UK um, uh-huh. at the time, and I was just on shift in a cinema. Um, and I wasn't even that bothered. It's quite um, it's quite weird, and I don't think I've spoken about it on the podcast, actually. But So, obviously, Revenge of the Sith comes out. Um and that's sort of the final Star Wars movie we're going to get, and it's the end. Um, and then I remember when this news came out and hearing about it, and just thinking, "Nah, like I wasn't, I wasn't too bothered either way." If that makes sense. Um, it, it's a strange one, but it wasn't until, and that, that's how I felt for a long time. I was, I just, I just wasn't too bothered. Um, and then I was working a different job i was working away so i was actually working up in scotland and i was in my hotel room um when the i think it would have been the where did the first the first trailer debut was it san diego comic con or was it celebration for force awakens um i think it uh, i don't i think it was at first um the the teaser came out at celebration and yeah celebration in anaheim so yeah, so like I was in Scotland when that broke, um, in um, sort of I was my Twitter sort of blew up. Um, now bear in mind I'm not in fandom at this point, like, but like Twitter's going berserk about the new Star Wars trailer, mm-hmm. and sort of I clicked it to watch it, and obviously this is the trailer where you see it's sort of the subtle Star Wars and the tones. You see Rey on the speeder go past the downed x-wing and then the background you have the star destroyer that's down um i think it also might be the one with the i don't know if luke skywalker has dialogue about the force in it and possibly um but but i watched that trailer about like probably 50 times that night and then that that was me like back in like all in i went from being fully out to just being a Star Wars fan again, if that makes sense. Totally. I, I I I was always like a really big Star Wars fan, but I feel like something shifted when that trailer uh, landed because we had something to grasp onto that was going to be amazing <laughs> and like brand new. You know? Uh, yeah. Wow. It was. I want to go back to that time. It was. I'm really nostalgic for it now. Yeah, definitely. I think like it's it's that time where like you you know it's coming, but you don't know what it is. So it's like everything you're experiencing is sort of new, mm-hmm. and like you kind of beat that excitement. But now, sort of the saga's finished. It's totally. sort of not the same. Yeah, but but yeah. So like I said, when I heard the news about the actual acquisition, I wasn't really that bothered, and I didn't really think about what it could mean. But here we are. You know, we've had a new Star Wars trilogy. We've had new animated shows we've got a theme park um and i never would have thought that but it, it's just it, it, you know i've got a star wars podcast now like mm-hmm. you know we should i never would have thought like that day when i heard the news about the acquisition like i was literally just maybe giving a moment's thought and then just like moved on with me day totally whereabouts were you when you found out 
So I was with my friends at Starbucks and I wasn't answering my phone and Caitlin was like frantically calling me. Uh, and then when I heard the 15 messages she left on my phone about her like spiraling and freaking out about the Disney purchase and the fact that there were going to be more Star Wars films and they were going to be doing the sequel trilogy, um, I like had a breakdown of sobbing, crying in my dorm room in college. And uh, I just, it was just really funny to me that I, I'm like always on my phone and it was like the one time I wasn't like attached to my phone and it was purposeful. I was like enjoying myself and of course like the biggest news ever um, landed and I I wish I had those messages of Caitlin freaking out on my uh, phone and I bet I could find them somewhere if I went back to my older phones but oh my god it was like an alter life altering moment <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I think I I was on the, like the metro, which is like public transport up, up here in the northeast of England. When the um when they dropped the title plaque for the Last Jedi, yeah. So like, not only was it the Last Jedi revealed, but it was also like the red writing. Yes. And I remember like freaking out on the metro train. Like I was on my own. You probably see people thinking, "What is he doing?" I was, I was like probably shuffling like uncontrollably and like texting my people. I couldn't trying to ring people on on this on this train. Um. It's crazy what just a little bit of Star Wars news can do, isn't it? Totally. It really it really does uh, give you some much-needed serotonin, I'd say. <laughs> 100%, yeah, 100%. I remember um, when this solo trailer dropped, I think it must have dropped the, like, it, it dropped, like, early morning here in the UK, like, in the night when we were asleep. Oh, yeah, because it was during the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, so, so I remember. So that was at, like, 10 p.m. on East Coast side. Yeah, so I remember waking up at like two or three in the morning, uh, and was like watching this trailer um, in bed, and um, like my fiance woke up, um, it was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "The solo trailer just dropped," and she was like, "Have you have you watched it?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm watching it again." And she's like, "Why?" I was like, "And it's obviously the trailer where you see the the Star Destroyers and the lightning storm in yeah, the cloud." So and I was like, look at that, the story story in the lightning storm. And like, I couldn't stop seeing it. And then like, obviously she was very annoyed. Cause it was like, I'm ruining everybody's sleep here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's crazy how just, just how much of a buzz it gives you. But then also like, you sort of just want to share it with people around you and people, you know, it's just like, you can't really beat that. that I, I don't know if it's adrenaline or what, but that just feeling of awesomeness that you get from it. Totally. My next question for you, Charlotte, is so I know you've lived in both the UK and the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, I'm not, I assume you were a Star Wars fan when you were in the UK, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Sort of, do you notice much difference to like the amount of Star Wars sort of on the streets in, in stores, um, on people's backs? Like, sort of, is, is, there, is, is there a difference to you thing? In, um that's a that's a good question so I so I lived in in London in 2007 and we moved in we left in 2009 like late 2009 so we were there for like two and a half years and between then that was when I was like watching the Clone Wars television show because it had just launched um illegally (laughs) on the internet and but, like, when I first moved there, they had this, like, awesome exhibit that Caitlin and I have talked about before, um, right by the London Eye. 
uh, that was the Star Wars costumes exhibit. I feel like it it was uh, I don't think it was called the Star Wars costumes exhibit. I think now it's called that. Um, and it was this amazing exhibit. And I remember being like when we first moved there, I felt so um, out of sorts, like, oh, my God, uh, my family moved to like a new country that I know nobody Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And seeing that 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 was there and advertised everywhere, I was like, "Oh my god, this is great! This is going to be awesome!" Um, something I love is here, and I know it's like that's such a silly little thing to attach to, but I was like thirteen, and I was really excited to have that. And in terms of like um, whether or not Star Wars, like if there's a difference, it's really hard for me to quantify that because I think after the Disney purchase. I feel like I see Star Wars everywhere now, like so much more than I ever used to. And it's not that I didn't see it in um, England as much in the UK, but I don't remember it as much. Like, I think always I was like, oh, my God, like a little Star Wars reference there when I was younger and things like that. But like an example is I went for one year, I went to school actually out by Pinewood Studios like basically on the same street and I had no idea that I was like so close to Pinewood and Elstree Studios where Star Wars was filmed and I feel like I wish I had known that um not that I could do anything about it because it's not like I can visit or anything but it's you know it was like I was so close to a piece of Star Wars history and I actually had no idea um I don't know I I don't I think that there's a major difference now and then versus country to country, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think obviously Star Wars was sort of one of, although Clone Wars was out during those years. Yeah. Like that was probably all that was out. So um, I've noticed here that, like, for example, if you go to the US, you know, you, you, your big supermarket chains, like your you, you Walmart, your Targets, have like a lot of awesome Star Wars merchandise. Um, where here in the UK, you have to tend to go to like specialist sci-fi stores to totally. get good stuff. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I remember that actually. Um, but I was also like, we don't really have, except for like comic book stores here, we don't have like specialized stores. Like, um, I guess some some places do, but not they're not as frequent as they are in London. I guess um, I feel like you could always find something weird and wild <laughs> that has to do with Star Wars in London, at least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been. We've got a market in Newcastle called the Granger Market, uh-huh. um, and inside that, there's like there's uh, a little a little dealer who sells memorabilia, um, and he like you'll always find something in there that's weird and wonderful so like i, I picked up like a 1983 um we skiff guard like last week in there oh, so um, cool. like just unboxed but uh, like loose but uh and then i also there's another stall which is like i think it's trying to be a sort of like a toy museum but that bit's not open yet but it's just a little stall inside a market um and like it's really crammed and like there's figures everywhere on the shelves there's figures up on the roof um and then in there like i picked managed to pick up um like a Zam Wessel sneak peek for Attack of the Clones, and then I also picked up the um, the it's the Power of the Force, it's the Yoda from nineteen ninety eight, but it comes with a flashback photo where it's Yoda and Dagobah, and you pull it down and it reveals Yoda the puppet from Phantom Menace. Cool, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, little things you can find that you wouldn't find in a normal store. Totally. What's your next question for me? 
Okay, so what would be your dream Star Wars animation project? Ooh. I think for me, we've had a tease of this in the comics, especially in the um, the Rise of Kylo Ren comic. Um, the beginning of that comic where it sort of shows you Luke on these adventures. You know, he's with Lors Antica, uh, with Ben Solo and the, you know, the tracking down force artifacts um mm-hmm. i think that would be a fantastic a fantastic animated series because a you know mark hamill can do the voice of young luke no problem and you don't need to worry about how he looks um i think you could really explore some crazy planets and planets we know as well um and obviously with animation you can make them look as vibrant and as crazy as you as you can with certain styles um you know i think like Laws Antica hints at the beginning of Force Awakens that, like, you know, he knows who Luke is. He knows the Skywalkers quite well. Um, obviously, if you read the Poe Dameron comic book, you know that he does have a connection to them. Um, and he's worked with Luke in the past, so I'd love to see more of those tales, like, in the build-up before Luke decides to build his Jedi school. Sort of, what type of adventures does he go on? It's also hinting at in the Battlefront 2 campaign, you know, Luke, when he picks up that Force compass. He's obviously doing that quite a bit. Um, it's also in the Shattered Empire comic as well, when he's he takes those force trees from one of the emperor's conservatories. Um, so I think like it's been hinted at, but I would love a I love a series that shows you sort of Luke Skywalker, um, a trying to find his place in this galaxy. Now, obviously, we do know that more Mothma does sort of ridicule. Well, I wouldn't say ridicule, but perhaps ridicule the jet. Like, oh yeah, thank you for defeating Vader and sorting out the emperor for us. But like now, we don't want the Jedi involved in this new republic. Um, or, or is that how it went down? Is it not how it went down? Maybe we can find out in this animated series. Totally. I, you basically took my answer because that's exactly my answer too. Is I think that after recently watching the original trilogy again, I was overwhelmed by how much I need more stories of Luke, Leia, and Han. And I want to see Luke um continuing to be a like a Jedi leader and how that even looks and you're right like there's been hints and everything throughout comics and books and everything but I still think you're right that we could get Mark Hamill back with doing the voice I mean hello he does such great voices so um that would be my dream as well even with Ben Solo I think that would be amazing yeah I think um I think with Ben Solo, I would just love to have it. Um, it wouldn't be animated because let's just face it, we've got Adam Driver in the prime of his life right now. Um, but that's like the series, the live action series I would want would be sort of Ben Solo in between, sort of after the events of the Kylo Ren comic, like the rise of Kylo Ren, and sort of from there to where we meet them in the Force Awakens. I think that would be a fan- fantastic. We'll never get it, but that would be a fantastic series as well. Totally. I completely agree. We need um, it. <laughs> we do. We do. Give us it. You know, if you you could easily give us those two shows and charge me an extra fifty dollars for Disney Plus a year, and I'd pay it. Yeah, that same. <laughs> same. <laughs> Disney, if you're listening, take our money. Absolutely. My next question for you, Charlotte, is about um, casting crew. Sort of meeting them. Um, obviously. You've met Adam Driver, is that correct? 
outside of his playhouse? I did, yeah, for the briefest moment, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. <clears throat> so I saw Burn This on Broadway, which is a play that was really intense um, with uh, Adam Driver was in it. And so was, oh, what's her name? Oh, my gosh. She was just in Rise of Skywalker. Oh. Is that Carrie Russell? Carrie Russell, yes. I don't know why that completely. I'm like halfway through my coffee. That's why. Um, <laughs> I So they were on stage together in this play called Burn This. And um, when that was announced, I immediately got tickets. I dragged my friend with me and definitely um, waited at the, at the stage door for him to sign my playbill. And Carrie Russell came out too. And she was so nice. Um, and her husband, I'm a huge fan, even though I couldn't remember <laughs> her name. Um, I'm a huge fan of hers from um, The Americans, which is a great show. And uh, so I was really excited. And her husband is her husband on the show, The Americans. So seeing both of them was like, oh, my God. Um, and then uh, Adam Driver came out and signed autographs and like shook my hand and was really nice. I have like a live photo of him making eye contact with me, which is great. But I sound like a like an obsessed fan when I talk about this because really it was just like 30 seconds of my life. But it was a great 30 seconds of my life. <laughs> it's How did he, um, so like I once met John Cena in a restaurant here in Newcastle. Um, yeah. And like he was having, I was in the restaurant having food. He was in the restaurant having food. I was with my friend. Um, and like he clocked us and like we clocked him. And you could tell in his mind he was thinking them through our wrestling fans. And then me and my friend's eyes were like, that's John Cena. And you could tell it was all we like he was like, please don't come over. Or they're gonna come over. And obviously we didn't go over because he was eating his meal, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like and we never got a picture on him, but it was just like that awkward standpoint where it's like like there's that's that's John Cena over there. Like he's like totally. you know, the biggest wrestler of the past decade, and um, like he's just over there having some food type of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, you also met the cast and crew of Resistance in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Caitlin and I were getting deep dish pizza at a place called Luminati's in Chicago at Celebration, and we you have to wait for your table. There was a ton of people there, and. In comes the entire cast of the of Star Wars Resistance, which we had been watching and loving and had a whole podcast series about and everything. And we were like overcome and starstruck, but we shot our shot and we asked, we talked with basically everyone except for like Bobby Moynihan um, and got a picture with Christopher Sean. And it was awesome. That was like one of those only happens at Star Wars celebration moments. Um, and yeah, it was that was great. Yeah, I love Star Wars Celebration. I, it, the London Celebration, which was 2016, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the cool things about that was a lot of the people there weren't sort of like in the bubble as much as we are. Yeah. So like, I bought a Dave Filoni on the Celebration London floor. Oh my God. And like, there was nobody, like, no one really turned ahead. It was oh my God, some people dressed as the so Rebels crazy. cast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so some people dressed as the Rebels cast got a picture with him. And then, like, I got a picture with him. But then, like, nobody else was gathering around this man. They're probably thinking, who's this man in the hat? Uh, <laughs> and I was able to get a picture with him. He was lovely. I asked him a question um, about Cabby and that he thought about then sort of give a, as Dave does, like, a half answer. Um, but such a, such a cool moment where, like, you know, like, 
you bump, you see this person that you've seen on um, Rebels recap shows and like all that stuff, um, you know, and all the Clone Wars documentaries, and then like you see him in person and just be able to like grab a picture and speak to them, like it really does sort of, again, that gives you like a, a type of adrenaline flowing through your system when, when that happens. Totally. It, um, it really does. Obviously, I know, was it the, I know you and Caitlin got the interview, was it the Vader Immortal crew, like officially? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Um, that was great. We got to speak to um, three people who worked on that series, and um, which is incredible. Even I don't, I've never played it. Like <laughs> I don't have an Oculus Quest or uh, PlayStation or anything like that. But um, I've watched the clips online, and the story itself is just incredible. And we got to speak with them at. D, the D23 Expo in Anaheim in 2019. That was incredible. And it was great to talk with them. And that included Matt Martin of the Lucasfilm Story Group. And that was awesome. Which do you think is um, gives you more nerves? Sort of, the, you're going to be meeting these people in an official capacity with a job to do, or sort of the waiting to see them by chance and reacting? So I would say definitely the official capacity because it's going to be pushed out to a lot of people. And I think before we did the Vader Immortal interview, Caitlin and I were so nervous. We were like rehearsing because when you have, when you do these kind of um, like press junkety type interviews, you really only have like 15 minutes and you sit down you have to start right away and everything. So we were like really stressed about that. Um, when you meet celebrities, like, you have like butterflies in your stomach but it's really just for you and you want to make sure that you ask them or you talk with them tell them what they mean to you and everything like that but with um with like doing it in an official capacity like a recorded interview um there's all of that plus making sure that you make like a solid product to put out to your podcast audience you know (laughs) so there's a little bit more pressure yeah definitely um what's your next question for me okay so if you could know one secret from star wars and lucasfilm what would it be Ooh. during the obviously the empire strikes back you know we hear the stories about how you know in the script the line was obi-wan killed your father mm-hmm. but obviously like some people knew that that was not the line and like i would love to know like who knew and like who was in charge of keeping the secret and like who was in charge of letting people who need to know know and like i would love to be like being involved in that circle because i bet it was quite scary intense being like right this can't get out this can't get out um so i think being involved in that circle being a fly on the wall and seeing sort of the panic and like oh well like for example mark hamill might know but like who else knows um i think that that would be cool um i think i would love to know and not even from like a i would love to know like the conversation between lucasfilm and colin trevorrow like about him deciding to leave yeah because like it's not really clear as to why Obviously, you know that the script's leaked for Jewel of the Face, which, to be honest with you, I I haven't I haven't read, I haven't delved into it. Um, but obviously, it's it's apparent it's a you know he left the project and then they brought in new people to make a different episode nine, like a totally different movie. Um, 
So I just love to know, like, like why the reasons why is it because you know it happened after the passing of Carrie? So was it because of the way Carrie was going to be in his movie, and he just thought he couldn't go forward with it, or or was it because of? I seriously doubt it, but was it because of um, the way a small but loud section of the fandom reacted to sort of the Last Jedi? Um, was it a case of Colin walking away? Or was it a case of the company wanting him to walk away? Like, I would just love to know the ins and outs of that. Yeah, me too. I really want, it's hard for me to answer this question because I really just want to know like a lot of background information about what goes on behind the scenes. Like, I want to know if the Ryan Johnson trilogy is still happening and like where we are with that. Like, I want a level set, you know, <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you in that wanting to know about Colin Trevorrow and like how they went their separate ways because it's interesting because, um, Kathleen Kennedy's husband uh, is the producer of Jurassic World and Colin Trevorrow does all the Jurassic World movies and it doesn't seem like there's like any ill will there, but maybe it just wasn't the right fit. Um, but it's still, I, I just really want some more background information about like the drama that happens. And I'm not saying that the whole that you know i think that there's like a narrative that like there's so much drama within lucasfilm i'm not really talking about that i'm just talking about like film history and like how things are made um i want to know uh a little bit more behind the scenes of the sequel trilogy and certain movies and including rogue one like i want to know more about that first cut of rogue one that was apparently totally changed to the end um I think there's like some parts that are out there, but not that much. And that that same sentence goes for Solo as well. Like what is in the original Solo and what was Ron Howard's version of Solo? And like where do they converge and where are they different? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think it's been like three, three sort of changes in this new era. Where I think, you know, if you go back to the era before Disney when George is the president of Lucasfilm, it's like George is George and George asks George what he wants to do. And then George tells, um, I've forgotten his name now, the, uh, the, the producer for the prequels. Oh. Um, Rick McCallum, Rick McCallum. Yeah. Rick McCallum, yeah, and, and then yeah. Rick McCallum sort of makes it happen type of thing. Um, and then you go from that to this new situation where it's like, well, yeah, you know, Kathy's the president, but you also have, you know, the, the Disney executives, including Bob Iger, who, you know, Bob Iger is the most powerful man in the world. Um, and then you have sort of all of that going on. Um, and then you have, obviously, you know, Kathy's not directing the movie. Kathy's hired someone to direct the movie. Where in the past, you know, George was like, I'm going to direct the movie. I've wrote three. I'm going to direct three. You know, before that, obviously, he didn't direct Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi. But, you know, if you hear stories of Return of the Jedi, where essentially George only didn't direct because he'd left the director's guild at that point and Richard Marquardt pretty much was on set. I don't know. I don't know if you want... It's really hear stories. They say George actually directed the movie and Marquardt was just there to sort of cover yeah. for him but it's a bit like i think that maybe that could be seen as being a bit dis- disrespectful to richard marquardt which I, I don't want to do um but but there's probably a hint of it there like a hint of that being true totally and um, then now 
now obviously you know it's not a case of George is in charge and what George wants George gets type of thing. Um, it's it's many different pieces and many different opinions. Yeah. Um, and you've got a sort of a, a board of directors and you've got um shareholders to look after. Um, so yes, yeah, so obviously you know we've had we've had three of the projects have had like a little bit of production change. Some of them a lot of production change and. I don't think we'll ever get it in a book because I guarantee there's NDAs all over the place. I think like <laughs> totally, in, you're so you know, right. Like, like you know, I I guarantee that like the directors from Solo, Phil and Chris Miller, um, I reckon they would have been they would have had even paid off the project. And to be paid off the project, I think they would have been they would have been here's your money, but here's an NDA. You cannot talk about it. Um, I think with. With Condovaro, obviously, he, he his film never really got started. He had the script finished, but other than that, like you know, they then decided to go with a different script. Um, so hopefully, there's conversations with him about the ins and outs. But again, he's not going to say anything too bad because you know he's he's got a great relationship with Steven Spielberg and with um and with Kathy's husband Frank Marshall, um, who he's still working with today. Um, and then with the Gareth Edwards one from Rogue One, I think you know Gareth come Gareth got on board with the changes and he came back and directed the final scene with Vader. And then did all the press afterwards. Um, so I think he's, you know, on, on board and part of the team. So I think when that's the thing is we're probably never going to, maybe like 20 years from now, we find out little snippets. So true. <laughs> I think that, I think we'll get like little snippets in the next like 20 years and we'll have to all piece them together in some like pastiche of what actually happened. Uh I think you're right into talking about Richard Marquand because I feel like that was messy and I feel like we're only just now kind of uncovering how messy that relationship was too. And that was like a long time ago. <laughs> so, uh, and we really only got pieces of that from certain individuals' books. Like I remember Carrie, one of Carrie Fisher's books uh, really talked about that and her like clashing heads with Richard Marquand and um, things like that. And it's like that, that's where we can kind of piece it all together. It's really interesting. Definitely. Um, my next question for you is obviously, you know, me and you, we're both adult Star Wars fans now, even though we started as children, Star Wars fans. Um, you know, certain people in society say that, you know, as we get older, we should um, get out of Star Wars. Um, but really, there's like a whole selection of merchandise where if you look at the price of this merchandise for example rock like a lightsabers or awesome star wars art books or making our books i'd have the price tags where you need a you need a pretty steady job to sort of pay for it so really i would say you know you know there's merchandise out there for adults to collect um what are some of your favorite items um that you've purchased like as an adult star wars fan um as an adult Star Wars fan, I well, first off, I want to say that my first big Star Wars purchase was Luke Skywalker's green lightsaber that I bought at Borders Bookstore in 2006. <laughs> I still have it. The light has kind of broken, but that was for a long time my most prized and most expensive Star Wars possession. Um, but now, recently, I got uh, these like Japanese style Rey and Kylo Ren figures, like mini statuettes. I have never had a like a statuette ever. And it feels like a little bit of like a nerd rite of passage. Like once you reach like a certain age, you can buy one of these like uh, 
maquettes or statuettes, whatever they're called. Um, and I bought my first one and I actually bought it too. And I'm really happy with those purchases. Uh, I, that was like, um, they were expensive and I had been eyeing them since they were announced at celebration, I think like in 2017, like a long time ago. <laughs> and I was able to get them last year and it was awesome. Yeah, I think I've got the um, the Luke Skywalker Force of X lightsaber, the the one from A New Hope, so mm-hmm. essentially the, the one Anakin built um, that Luke has in New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And I got that for my 22nd birthday of my mother, um, of my mom, because I've been asking for that type of lightsaber probably for like 10 years previous. And it was weird how like it took those 22 for me mom to go, oh, yeah, I'll buy you that. And I was like, well, yeah. you're sort of supporting me as an adult source on here by making that purchase. And like, even now she'll be like, oh, like, you know, you, you don't need to buy them figures or like, you don't need to watch Star Wars too much. I'm like, as a 22 year old, you bought me that lightsaber for like 130 pounds, man. Like, <laughs> you, you, you supported this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I relate to that so much. My question actually for you, my next question was, what was your most, what is your most prized Star Wars possession? Which I feel like is a similar question, but not necessarily the same question. Like, is there something that you really love that you have or have from like a Star Wars possession that isn't necessarily the most expensive thing or the nicest thing, but uh, it could be that as well. What's yours? So I bought my house like October last year. Awesome. Um, and so my, my mom like emptied the, the, like the bit, the, uh, the attic out. Um, and I, I, to be fair, I think there's still stuff up there that she hasn't found, but I I forgot what was up there. To be fair, it's so like a couple of boxes arrived from my mom's house of like things when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like my nineties Millennium Falcon, awesome. which I'm looking at right now in my office, it, it smashed a bit. It's like it, it got heavily played with, but um, <laughs> like that that's sitting there. Um, my nineties X wing, kind of X wing, which is actually in really good really good condition actually. Um, that's um that's here which you know that they're not worth a lot because you know they're not the 80s versions or the 90s versions but um i said the falcon smashed a bit but it's like i look at them and i'm like like yeah like i've had that since probably since you know, i've had that falcon since probably 94 maybe right like, when i first started watching star wars around that time so it's like sort of being with us on the entire journey so to get those back was pretty cool um what else um I've got a couple of Star Wars plates that my mum bought me from, a, I don't even know where she got them from, but when I was like maybe 12, 13, um, which I don't even know where they are, actually, it's probably at my mum's house still. Like the, the Star Wars plates were like um, sort of metallic and they've got like Star Wars artwork on them. Uh, one's the one's an X-Wing, one's the trench one, the Darth Vader's tie and the two ties behind it. Um, so they're, they're pretty cool. Um, trying to think as for... It's weird. There's things that like you've always wanted that don't even cost a lot. So like, I always wanted since I've seen them. The you no know, like the the Disney badges you get at like at the Star Tour stand where they put your name yeah. in Arabic. Yeah, totally. Like like I finally got one of those like a couple of years ago at the at the, at the Orlando celebration. So cool. I was like, it it it's it, it's cheap and everyone's probably got one. But like it's something that like since I've seen them, I always wanted one, and I was able to get one. If that makes sense. So like that was that was pretty cool. Um, 
trying to think what else. Um, what I really want, I really want like an original Revenge of the Jedi poster. Oh, so do I. So do I. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> so one day, maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get one of those. But that's that's like what I'm. That's like my dream is I want one of those. Um, yeah, I've got um, I've got Alec Guinness's autobiography, Blessings in the Skies, which is like a pretty old book, which I found in a charity store in the UK. But like, it's, it's out of print and stuff now. So that, that's pretty cool. It's hard, hard to find. But it's not worth any. I don't think. But but yeah. So I haven't got anything like that. Like two. Like super rare. I collect a lot of black series these days, so like I've got like I've had to slow down action the black series. But um I sort of kept the red boxes, I've decided to collect them up to the final number. And then the new boxes with the artwork on the side, I'm just collecting the ones I like, is what I've said. Um But yeah, it's sort of you know, as I mentioned before, you know, I picked up that Yoda figure and like I remember those figures coming out, so like I'm sort of gone back to recollect things I had as a child. Um, which is quite fun. And also, they're not really that too expensive, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, tell you what, I have got which I don't know where it is. Um, so my my mom and dad know I've been into Star Wars. Um, I got into it from my cousin, but my dad's best friend from childhood, um, he was like a big Star Wars nut, um, Brian, um, and he was actually at the Phantom Menace premiere. Oh, cool. Um. I don't know how he got tickets, whether you could buy them or I mean, he, he worked high up for Burberry at the time, so I don't know if maybe he got connections through there. But, right, um, yeah. Um, but but, and he, but he gave me, he they must have got given, like, it was like a, a silver white, like, program, like, heavy duty, like, program. Wow, that's like, so cool. Size, that's so that he, cool. That he gave me, and I don't know where it is, because again, he gave us it, like, in 1999, so it's somewhere. But, um, but yeah, like, that's pretty cool, because it's like, when I got that, I was like, money can't buy this. Like, this was, you know, he had to go give this at the premiere. And I wasn't there, but, like, this guy was, and he's given us this. So I need to try and dig that out, to be fair. Yeah, that you, you got to find that. That sounds great. <laughs> it's one of those things where, so when the boxes came from my mom's house and I opened them up, I was like, oh, I didn't realize I had this stuff left. And I sort of think, actually, there's more than this there. And it's like, do I ask for it? Because if I ask for it, they're going to go through, dig it all out, and it's probably going to be double of that to come back over. And then, like I said, obviously I live with my fiance and I was not really into Star Wars. And like, if more Star Wars comes, I mean, she wasn't too impressed with the stuff that came over the first time <laughs> from my childhood. She's mm-hmm. like, what is this? Like, why do you keep stuff like this? And I'm like, oh, because it's awesome. But like, other people don't find a broken man in fucking awesome. Um, so I've sort of not mentioned it and I'm waiting until like maybe they move house for it to turn up. No, yeah. I'll take it back then. So I don't want to risk everything coming at once. I've totally. to be strategic on that one. <laughs> okay, my next question for you is um, what's your favourite force power and why? You have really good questions. Um, <laughs> this, I feel like my favorite force power is whatever the heck was happening between the dyad of Ray and Kylo Ren, the like mind connection. But if we're going to like separate that, I would say the force healing, I think is an awesome thing that they introduced to star Wars. And if you know me, you know that I don't really like the rise of Skywalker that much. Um, but I still think that that introduction, which I guess was first in the Mandalorian anyway, um, is makes so much sense to, bring that in 
and it, it, I guess it was around before, but to like bring to the forefront of Star Wars stories, I really like it. But I like that one, and I really like Ray and Kylo's Force connection, World Between Worlds, whatever the heck that is with the dyad connecting their minds. I think it's perfect for story exploration. Yeah, so I mean, what I got written down is I think I think the I call it the Force Skype. Yes. <laughs> or the Kylo Ren and uh, Ray Force Skype. I think within the story. I think that's the most that's the greatest force power we've seen because it really is used as like a it's a major story point and it really helps tell the story of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's probably my favorite use of a force power in regards to the plot and the story. I think like as a kid and as a, you know even as a teenager, we fair play with them, but like lightsaber battling and like doing the force push on each other and like people jumping back and stuff and like that was a lot of fun to sort of. To play around with and i think like you know even now sometimes i find myself doing it like like my fiance <laughs> will get to elbow where like we'll go in a supermarket and i'll like wave my hand as i go through the door and like i do it without even knowing i've done like as a reflex action really um so i think all the force powers really do like embed themselves in your skull like continuing we've consumed this since we're, we're kids and they're all fun but I, I think yeah i think the force for me the force skype the force bond between kylo and ray i think is is the best use of power um, to drive a story forward. Um, I think the singular most powerful use of a force power is, of course, Luke Skywalker at the end of The Last Jedi. Yeah. It's the coolest thing ever. And I don't know if you've read the um, if you read the Last Jedi comic book. I don't think I did, actually. So it, it, if you can get a hold of it, pick it up and trip it back and it, just for the final panels. Uh, so the final panels, right? This, I find this fascinating. Like, I get really young and goosebumps talking about it. Um, it's like uh, Luke sitting on the on the rock meditating, um, and then it's got like the thought bubble, and it's like um, any master will tell you, you always um, save your greatest trick till last, <laughs> and then like uses the greatest force power ever, and it's it's going to kill him, but it's going to save the rebellion essentially, wow. save the resistance. And wow. I just, I don't know, those thought bubbles and the way it's laid out on the page, I was like, this is like, because I love The Last Jedi, I think it's a beautiful film, but I think like, obviously you can't do thought bubbles in movies, but like, I thought as it, to to sort of get that same feeling in the different medium, I thought the way the comic book did it with those thought bubbles and that, and those words that he's thinking is just perfection. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I need to check that out. I really want to buy like basically every comic adaptation of the films um bound like in a book versus i don't know what is it called like a volume i'm really bad with comic terminology but i would i really want to get that and that's a really good recommendation yeah some comics be released like in issues like weekly or fortnightly or maybe monthly um so like typically you get six issues in a run yeah um i tend to buy trade paperback so that's like a volume, so it'll be in yes. paperback, but it'll collect the, the six or seven or however many are in that first run. Right, that's um, what I was... I, can't, I just like really struggle with that terminology for some reason, the whole trade paperback thing. feels so... Um, I don't know. Like I always forget what it's called. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, so... Force powers. I, I, for me, I wasn't really that sort of turned on by the force here because I don't know why my mind went back to sort of... If... If this is known about him, the Jedi can do it. I, I don't know why Anakin's worried about losing Padme. 
Yeah. But maybe that's like part of, I think that's why I like it because it's like part of like the, the lack of foresight and maybe part of why the Jedi themselves were really clouded in their understanding of how the force works. Um, and like, didn't really get back to what the original force teachings were like what Ray learned in those Jedi books, you know? And I think that that like presents an interesting dilemma about the, the, the Jedi that we see in the prequels versus the Jedi that we see in like later years and how Rey is able to learn this because she's not afraid of uh, exploring different types of force. uh, I don't know, different types of like ways to use the force. And um, it also to me shows that like, I think I always think about that scene in Revenge of the Sith, which I think is a really interesting one where Anakin goes to Yoda for help about his dreams I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's kind. Of, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of interesting that uh, Anakin does that in the first place because he doesn't even want to tell Obi Wan about his bad dreams, you know. And uh, Yoda's advice is kind of curt, you know. It's not. Um, it's like just let go, but and Anakin isn't forthcoming about like what's the specifics of the dream are and why he can't do that and why he doesn't want to do that. And there's a lot going on there, but. Maybe if he was, maybe if Yoda was just a little more, or like if everyone was a little bit more communicative, maybe they could have found that out themselves or something. It just really shows the tragedy of it all. Yeah, I was thinking that myself as you were talking. Like the tragedy of, so because Anakin feels like he, because it's all a secret. Mm-hmm. Like if Anakin came forward and said, like, look, like this is Padme. I love Ash as my wife. I think she might die. Then maybe the Jedi, be, oh well, we'll help you look. And then they might come across that themselves, the Force healing. But because it's like, well, I'm having these dreams that I'm not really going to tell you about, and like, and there's no one else in my life but the Jedi. But really, there is. But I'm not going to tell you about it. Like, it's that tragedy of like, in not trusting anybody really. And it's like, it's well, big part of his downfall, isn't it? I mean, the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker is that, you know, those, those people who love him and would do anything for him. I think. Um, have you read the Obi Wan Anakin one shot? Yeah, I have. I have. Yes, it's been a while, so, but yes, I have. <laughs> it's like in there when when Obi Wan's like, if Anakin leaves the order, I would leave with him and still teach him because I promised Qui Gon. It's like you can't get much more love than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but he doesn't really feel like see that, and that that's like it's like one of his fatal flaws is his clouded vision. Really, Anakin's it's like haunted by the dark side. Really, I suppose, which you know is that being projected on him by Palpatine? I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating. I feel like something that's so great about these movies, and I've said this a thousand times, and this is like no surprise to anyone listening, but I find it so interesting that we can have these conversations and talk about all these different ways that like new things that are introduced, like the force bond and force healing and uh, um, projecting yourself across the galaxy like luke does like how does that affect the previous movies and what does that show about the jedi that we know from that era versus the era that we're in now it's and how have they evolved it's great to be able to talk about that definitely yeah i think like and when you even if you just i think duke jedi lost where you know they've got all those artifacts hidden in the vault that they won't go in you get wrong for going in but it's like you could learn from those like even if they say the artifacts you could learn maybe things not to do from them like mm-hmm. but you could learn like study them but it's again it's like sitting on like sort of suppressing the past or suppressing history that they don't want repeated or don't want people knowing about it's 
I don't know. It's quite. I love the Jedi, but I also like, it, like in particular, like the way Mace Windu goes on, especially in the final days of the Republic. It's like, ah, you, do you deserve it? You, ah, you, I think you do a little bit because you've been very blind and very arrogant about all of this. Totally. But um, this podcast is fast going on a tangent of uh, <laughs> if the Jedi and Sith. <laughs> have you got any more questions for me? I can't remember. I do. I have one more. Um, and I guess this kind of goes with what we were talking about even just a little bit. Uh, what do you think is next, in your opinion, for stories with the Skywalker family? Besides, hmm. like, seeing Anakin in the Kenobi show. Yeah. Um, it, it's a tough one because I think if Ben Sowell lives, yeah. like, you... you kind of writes itself like, you, you write itself in the future <laughs> yeah. yeah and you've got like another you know, trilogy or or maybe you've just got like a six-part drama that you release that shows you like him sort of dealing sort of him dealing with his sins of the past and how he sort of tries to make, make better decisions in the future how, yeah. how where did him and ray go the future of the jelly order all of that type of stuff obviously the last skywalker is dead um you know ray's took the skywalker name mm-hmm but I think they're reluctant to tell stories in that era right now. Um, so I think like you're really only going to get Skywalker stories. I think in in comics and books. Um, yeah. So I think obviously you know you've got the, the Star Wars comic the minutes running between Empire and Jedi, um, which is pretty cool. I've read the first volume, um, which was which was fun. Um, but again, it's sort of it's Luke. There's no. It's not necessarily a look in the future. It's like a look in the past, filling in a few bits out of mist in between episodes five and episode six. Um, I think that's probably what we've probably what we're going to have to put up with. I mean, it's, don't get us wrong; it's fun, it's a good story, but it's it's not like a new era, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, I think that that's sort of what we're going to get Skywalker wise. Um, like I said, I would love to have an animated show where it shows you Luke in between sort of looking the first five years after Return of the Jedi. I think that would be a fantastic series. Like, give us it animated, or give us it in the comic book even. I'm happy to read it, um, if you don't want it animated. But, like, it will lend itself so much to a comic or to an animated series. Um, and, like, as I said before, like, that's a story I really want to know. Um, mm-hmm. I think as for Leia, you know, it's it's sort of been, you know, if you, if you read Bloodlines, you, you, sort, of, you sort of know... The journey she goes on, although you know, why is Skywalker hints at this Jedi trainer actually did with Luke? How long was that? Was it a year? Was it two years? Um, yeah, can we maybe get it something a book or a comic or a series that shows us the the one or two years Jedi training Leia did with Luke and then it ends with Leia handing Luke the lightsaber saying, Actually, um, if I continue on this path, it um ends with the death of my son, which you know. She doesn't go down that path, and then it still ends with the death of our son. So, was it all for nothing? You could say maybe. Yeah, totally. I um, I think there's so many possibilities, but you're so right that I feel like they're going to explore the period between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy, but not much after um, for a little bit, and then I think they'll go after maybe around the time of because um, Patty Jenkins's movie 
uh, Rogue Squadron allegedly takes place after the Rise of Skywalker. So maybe that will be the point where they start filling that in. I always think about how when Disney bought Lucasfilm, there was all this conversation about like, well, we have like 20 years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope that we need to fill in. And that was like their first order of business of creating like Rebels and Rogue One and all these kind of like, it's amazing where now we think about like, oh my God, that era is so crowded <laughs> with stories, but it really isn't anymore. You know, I mean, it is now, um, and but it wasn't back then. And I think they'll probably do the same thing as they are right now with the Mandalorian and everything in the next era of expansion. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the Skywalker family fits into that, because I think we already have seen the fact that Luke even somehow fits into the Mandalorian too. Um, but I'm, I also agree with you about like, with with Ray and Ben, if Ben lives lived, um, I still think he's going to come back. It's just a matter of time. Um, we'll just we'll see. You know, uh, I think that that provides like a super interesting story about like him returning and then what the Jedi look like after the rise of Skywalker with well, Ray at the helm. You know, well maybe Kylo Ren had loads of clones and then he's managed to get inside. Of the <laughs> Don't no no no. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just um, but no, yeah. Um, it's, it's obviously bad batches coming out, which again is in that time frame what you said of between three yeah. and four. So we're gonna get even more detail there, which is cool. And obviously, we've seen talking in the trailer there, which is fun. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. Do you think we'll see Luke again in the Mandalorian, or do you think him and Grogu think... have vanished? <sighs> I think we will. Um, I think we'll see him briefly because I just can't imagine that they're going to not have, that they're going to have a whole, whole season without Grogu. Like I really just don't imagine that at all. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, so I think we'll see him again, but I don't know if we'll see Luke like get a star episode. I don't, I don't think so, but uh, I do think we'll see him again. Yeah. And obviously you know, people are saying, oh, you know, Grogu's gone to Luke's Jedi Academy, and that's where all the Jedi die in by Kylo Ren. But it's like, this is years before that school even gets built, so like, Luke doesn't have that academy yet. And, you know, if you read The Rise of Kylo Ren, um, Grogu's not there. Mm-hmm. When, when, yeah, when the I, temple falls. Yeah, I feel like he's not going to last that long at the at the Luke school for the Jedi, I don't know what's going to happen to it, but <laughs> I, that's, that's my interpretation of what's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I don't think Luke has the school. I think Luke's, Luke picked them up because the call went out, but I think yeah. they're just going to go on like adventures together type of thing. I think try and teach him as he goes, but like, oh, I, I don't think the school's an actual, an actual thing. So this is only what, five, six years after I returned the Jedi. I don't think the school gets set up until like, because even if you read bloodlines, the school's not set up because Ben's journeying with Luke. You're right. In bloodline, which is closer to the Force Awakens timeline, I think, isn't it? Then, then, so, so yeah. Like, I, I don't think the school's set up yet. I think like Luke's come to get him because the cause went out. But I, I don't think it'll be a school set up. I think it'll be like very much learning, sort of on the on adventures. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're so right. I hadn't really thought really about that animation. honestly. Yeah, that could be really fun animation, like Luke and Grogu on little adventures. Ugh. It'd be so great. <laughs> um, cool. So I've got two more questions for you, which are a little bit more fun, like silly ones. So um, I hear you're a fan of dinner parties. <laughs> yes. 
So, if you were to have a dinner party where the goal is to have sort of really fun, awesome Star Wars conversation, you're allowed to invite five celebrity guests to your dinner party, but they are not allowed to be involved um, in a Star Wars project. Who would they be? Yeah, who would you who would you invite to your dinner party? So people not related to Star Wars at all, just like so, in general people. So they can't have worked on a Star Wars project. Okay. Oh man, this is a good question. Okay, so I'd invite Lucille Ball. Um, <laughs> uh, why was that the first person I thought of? That's interesting. Um, uh, can't have why would they be your first invite? I love Lucille Ball. I always have her show. I love Lucy was like my childhood and I think she's still remains. Um, she's long gone, but she remains like the best comedian ever. And I think she's brilliant, always was brilliant and would love to talk with her at a dinner. I just think she's unreal. Um, let's see. <laughs> it's like, it's funny when these questions are asked because my brain uh, is only Star Wars all the time and I feel like there's actually so many people who've worked on Star Wars and in, in the world you know especially today but um, I guess Maureen Murdoch who wrote The Heroine's Journey I'd love to talk with her she hasn't worked on Star Wars <laughs> um, let's see you know I'm gonna cheat and say Steven Spielberg <laughs> He hasn't worked on Star Wars technically, right? No, nope, that's allowed. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, maybe Pablo Picasso. Uh, it's a random one. I really love art. I think he would be awesome, amazing, depressing to talk to. Um, would love that. And uh, Coco Chanel. <laughs> That's that's my vibe. It's so random, but I think it would be a really interesting dinner party. Yeah, and imagine like some of those people who like maybe aren't familiar with Star Wars, but you could like introduce them to it and then get their yes. thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'd love to know what Lucille Ball thinks of Star Wars. <laughs> like especially when the Star Wars comedies, like especially in the original trilogy, is so subtle. Like yes. essentially through C three PO's sort of. I don't know what you would call it. These sort of um, C three PO's um, would it be righteousness? No, maybe not. Um, like through C three PO's like exactness, and then obviously you've got sort of like the rest of the team's sort of sarcasm towards that. Mm -hmm. um, so like it would be interesting to see like people's take on on that on that type of humor. Um, for mine, I would have had mine's not as awesome as yours. You've got some really cool and like you know legendary people there mine would be i would want um kevin smith mm -hmm. who i'd want to know like obviously you know star wars is a big part of us not a big part of it you know it's it, it, it's there in his clerk script like quite heavily influenced like the conversations that are in there that make a movie so funny that sort of makes his career um so i think that would be really cool um uh, edgar wright um who you know has made some great movies um yeah. obviously big, big star wars fan as a youngster um i think that'd be good um i would love to have uh eva duvernay on 
just just as like a modern filmmaker um, totally. who's making some really sort of you know pictures with a with a strong strong voice um and sort of her thoughts on what star wars did for her when she first watched it and then also like sort of what she would what she could do with it going forward if she's got any ideas um how many is that three or four what i said there uh i think that was four maybe four one more mm. and i think like I don't know, maybe like a Brie Larson who like we've seen we've seen that she's maybe a Star Wars fan and like some of the things she says online and some of her pictures um, and obviously you know she's a big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, so I think like her thoughts on like what characters she would like to play or what future characters she can see coming into sort of Star Wars in the future I think would be really cool mm-hmm. and how sort of you know as a, you know, someone who plays Captain Marvel who's like a you know this strong female lead um, hero character sort of do you go back and study like the likes of Leia from the original trilogy is sort of picking up tropes of that to bring into how you portray these heroes that type of thing would be really cool totally um last question for you like how does this idea sound to you would you be up for this right so it's a concept album right mm-hmm. and it's about um it's an album that's just got songs on it and it's filled with songs about um, Anakin's feelings throughout the prequel trilogy. I am be... down for that. I'm down for that. I'm already signed up. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> I think Taylor Swift should write and sing it. Oh my God. That's the dream. That is the dream. A Taylor Swift concept album that is narrative stories from Star Wars. Oh my God. I think That's if amazing. you look at it, like, so, you know, <laughs> as we know, like, Fearless, Taylor's version, if Anakin was just Fearless, would be all right, wouldn't it? But he wasn't, so. Yeah. Um, the song Red, <laughs> Red Lightsabers are the same as Anakin. Um, should have said no. Anakin had told Palpatine no. Would be fine. Um, I think there's a track called, is it, um, Sad Beautiful Tragic of a Red? Yeah, <laughs> yes. that title just sums up, just sums up stars, doesn't it? Sad, beautiful, and tragic. It, totally. <laughs> so yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be up for that. Um, I wouldn't have Taylor like like Star Wars. She must like being like. So I'm. So I think she's the same age as me, thirty-two. Mm-hmm. So like, chances are like the prequels are out when she was a teenager. So I wonder, I wonder if she is a fan. I of... bet, I bet she's a fan. I know she likes Game of Thrones. So I know that she has like that nerd gene in her. Um, so I feel like she'd, I bet she likes it. Um, I bet she would love it if, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm faintly remembering that Daisy Ridley went to one of her parties once and it was like disputed about whether or not that was her in the photo. So I have a feeling that she likes at least the the new movies. I bet she like really liked The Force Awakens. Yeah. Have you have you enjoyed uh, Fearless Taylor's version? Uh, yeah, loved it. I all her recent albums have been amazing. I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. Anything she does is perfect. So <laughs> it's like hard for me to be a little critical these days because I think she's absolutely killing it. I saw her live in Manchester. I can't remember what year it was now, but I think it was the 
possibly the speak now tour mm-hmm. um and it was weird so the support for that tour was justin bieber so he he hadn't like he was like just sort of getting noticed on youtube i think yeah he was the support, which he had a broken leg at the time. He was wearing a cast, actually. Um, but no, yeah, that was, it was an awesome show. I'm a big Taylor fan myself. Um, but but yeah, I think... Um, how do you feel about... I was thinking about this the other day. Because um, I know you're a Taylor Swift fan, so like how they're in Taylor Swift in the conversation. You know, we've got these, you know... Taylor doesn't have access to her music or isn't happy with the musical arrangement with, with some of her old albums. So here she is now. She's, you know, she's doing her a new version, her own version of Fearless. Mm-hmm. Could say it's a special edition, couldn't we? Yes, we could. It is a special edition. Now she has like complete control over it in the same way that George Lucas had complete control over the special editions to make them exactly how they wanted. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought about the idea. I thought I'm definitely going to mention this to, to Charlotte. But yeah, I think like, yeah. you know, I wonder, I wonder if you got the idea from George or like, I mean, she probably didn't, but it, it is very much like, you know, you, you have this vision at your art, you put your heart and soul into it, and then down the line, you know, you maybe you're not 100% happy with it, maybe you're not 100% happy with the arrangement. So, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna go back and recreate it, and put it back out there. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's um, I'm really happy that she did that. I think it's such a power move for her to be able to do that and then therefore own her own music once again. Uh, it's pretty awful what happened to her, and I think that she has done exactly what she should do. And it's been really cool to see, like, her fans really embrace like the new versions um, versus the older ones, and kind of support her in that journey. I think it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And then I also have like it's it's weird. So I've just said, you know, on the, the that speak now to I was probably like ten years ago now, like roughly. So you'll have fans who like the the there'll be teenage girls now listening to the new version of fearless who probably haven't heard the original version mm-hmm. so it's a bit like you know you had the when the special editions came out in theaters obviously i'd watched one vhs at my cousin's house but i'd never seen them in the cinema before and it gave me a chance to watch star wars in the cinema but like there's also kids in that cinema who you know the parents probably took them to see it and they probably never seen Star Wars before but because George went back and sort of re-edited it and added things and sort of I wouldn't say remade the movie but you know he added things in added film new scenes to put in and put this new art out it sort of does regenerate not only is it there to sort of help old fans but it, it creates new fans as well people who have not experienced it before get their experience for the first time again yeah absolutely it's really cool especially like I feel like she's gained a whole new group of fans after her last two albums, um, Folklore and Evermore, and to have people go back and be able to re-experience. And also, also me, who bought Fearless on like day one when it was released back way back when, um, to like re-experience that all together with like the fandom is really neat. And I guess like that's really similar to how Star Wars responded to the special editions too, it like brought in a whole new crop of fans when that was re-released. Yeah, definitely. Cool. That brings an end to the, this knowing me, knowing you special Charlotte. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yes, I absolutely did. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you on social media? 
Um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Crarity. That's C R E R R I T Y. Um, and you can find me on my podcast, Sky Talkers, which releases an episode basically weekly, um, sometimes biweekly. You never know with us, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about Bad Batch soon. And um, you can find Sky Talkers wherever you get your podcasts. Is there a summer series coming this year? Yes, there is. Of course, there's a summer series. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we're like 90% sure on the topic and we're really excited about it. Cool. For anybody listening who maybe hasn't listened to Sky Talkers, um, A, definitely go listen. Like I said, it's, it's one of my favorites. Um, it's my favorite Star Wars, Star Wars podcast uh, out there. But the guys, or the gals even do a do a summer series where it's like a, a three-episode um, deep dive into a certain aspect of Star Wars. So I think ones in the past have been animation. Um, they did Yoda. Um, my mm-hmm. favorite was the George Lucas one you did. Um, that yeah. was a really, really good really really good summer series the george lucas one that i love the most thanks so much i really appreciate that i hope that this summer is just as good <laughs> um i really thank you so much for saying that it's really nice no problem well thank you very much charlotte for joining me here may the force be with you um listeners out there may the force be with you guys stay safe if you get offered a vaccine please take it let's get ourselves back to normal and remember always tell that to Kanja club Please follow us on Twitter at Boar's Star. That's at B-O-R-E-S-S-T-A-R. And on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Podcast. You can also reach us on email at starboarspodcast at gmail.com. Star Wars Show can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever podcasts can be found. Please give us a like, subscribe, and don't forget to leave a five-star review. May the force be with you.